This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One of the big questions is, what is money? For practical purposes, it exists in a series of uh, heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do you believe in crypto? Digital currency may be an answer. But it is the highly speculative asset. Uh, I do own Bitcoin. There is no second best. Welcome to the Crypto Curious Podcast, proudly brought to you by the Bamboo app. Crypto Curious is your go-to source for all things cryptocurrency. Whether you're a seasoned pro or new to the world of crypto, we've got you covered. Each week, we'll break down the top news stories of the past seven days, giving you the information you need to stay on top of the latest trends and developments. Plus, we'll share quick bites of news and insights that you won't want to miss. If you're new to crypto, we recommend starting at our early episodes as we break down the basics and give you a solid foundation to understand the world of crypto. Join us as we explore the ever-evolving world of cryptocurrency and educate ourselves along the way. Let's dive in together and discover the exciting potential of crypto. I'm joined by my mates Blake and Craig on the show today and boy do we have some action to unpack guys. This last week has been somewhat of a momentous one with a lot going on. Hey guys, how are you going? Speechless because Craig's wore a shirt for the first time in three years. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, looking at the screen, Craig is looking very good. He's looking like a banker. But let's get into it, guys, because we've all been chatting a lot over the last few days on the weekend, keeping up with what's going on. But but listeners, in the last seven days since recording the podcast, a lot has gone on in the crypto world that spills over into the traditional finance world. And the first story, we're going to dive straight into it. Last week, we talked to you about Silvergate and their collapse. And since then, things have capitulated to winding down their operations and they have liquidated $11 billion in assets. And what we also want to talk about there is the headwinds of Signature Bank and the fact that they were not looking too healthy when we spoke about this last week. Uh, but there's another name that's joined the, those two. So we've got Silvergate and Signature Bank, which we spoke about last week. But another one joining the list is a bank called Silicon Valley Bank. So those three names are the three that we're going to talk to you about in this first story. The boys and I are going to go through some twists and turns with you now. But I will kind of start off by saying that when you listen to this recording, even over the next seven days, some of this might be out of date because this these three these this story is changing, you know, even out of hour. So Blake, let's start off going back a little bit um, to last Friday where we pick up with things on this story. 
Yeah, for sure. So what we're referencing here with these three banks are banks that you know specialize in um, banking the startups in the US and globally, as well as crypto companies. And that's why it really why it's affecting our industry so much. So on Friday last week, two days after Silvergate went into liquidation, um, Silicon Valley Bank was forced to shut down by US regulators. And Silicon Valley Bank, also known as S. VB was added to the failed banks list and $175 billion of customer deposits were seized by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, um, FDIC otherwise known as. And it's one of the worst bank failures since 2008. Um, And I think this really begs the question, why? Why is all this happening? Mm, Well, look, and I'll just go back again and say that the reason that this is a big deal, as Blake mentioned, is that this was the bank in Silicon Valley for all tech startups. So as much as 50% of all US venture-banked techs and life science companies used SVB to hold their funds. And um, it came out that 65,000 small businesses were part of this. So it was a big deal at the time, Craig. Yeah, so they are a legit bank. But um, why it turns out they're in trouble is they mismanaged those funds to a very large degree and faced a liquidity crisis, which was brought on by the recent rate rises in the US economy. So on Friday, things were all up in the air. Thousands of companies didn't know where they stood in terms of their getting money out of this bank. And it turned into a crazy weekend. So what happened next, Trace? It, It sort of it tipped over into crypto land, didn't it? Yeah, especially with the knowledge that we have now, which is that only 3% of all deposits in SVB are FDIC insured. So for reference, an average bank in the US has about 50% of deposits that should be insured. So what happened next was that Circle or USDC was part of this contagion, Blake. So this also sent the market into a bit of a tailspin. Can you explain what happened with Circle? That's right. I think uh, so. Circle is a is a USD stablecoin, um, and that means that uh, every stablecoin that they have in circulation, uh, they have one for one backing of that, whether that's in bonds or in cash. And they try to diversify their risk by depositing the one for one backing in different bank accounts. Um, and it just so happened that three point three billion dollars of their reserves were in Silicon Valley Bank, and as a result, USDC lost its peg. You know, I think it got down to 80 cents on some exchanges, um, which means you could buy your know, USDC um, for 80 cents and you know, it may or may not have returned to its peg. There was really a lot of unknowns in the market. Um, by unknowns, we mean you know, which other banks would be affected and then how much would this stablecoin be affected. And this is a key piece of infrastructure in the crypto ecosystem with, I think, what, it's worth $50 billion, the the stablecoin, the, the total market cap. So it cap. must be. So you're saying it was $3.3 billion when they're saying it was 8% yeah. of theirs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. So, yeah, this obviously can easily spread contagion all the way across the crypto ecosystem because so many organizations and businesses and startups rely upon this as collateral in their ecosystem or funds in their treasury and create a cascading effect that can, you know, bring down tens of thousands of businesses in a short period of time. And they also had money in Signature Bank as well. USDC depegging actually started its own mini crypto contagion because many of these DeFi apps like Aave, MakerDAO, GMX, you know, they – uh, you know, lending protocols and trading decentralized 
trading protocols, which use USDC as the asset to make the trades off. So widespread panic for not only USDC holders, but you know people who are anticipating and people who are um, interacting with these dApps as well. So and DAOs, they're um, all holding their treasury DAO, exactly in right. yeah, and, USDC. Um, you know, we were in the group chat. We have our own group chat, us three are in it, called the Crypto Specky Chat on WhatsApp. That got a lot of action and over the weekend. Over the Saturday, we were all sharing our experiences. I was actually trying to swap some of my USDC when it was depegging and the panic was at an all-time high and the gas walls were back. It cost me 100 USDC or $100 worth of Ethereum to swap it back into Ethereum. So it was very busy network and very um, panic stations on the Saturday, Trace. So then came the news of Signature. What happened then, Craig? Well, Signature said, uh, this was on Sunday, um, regulators seized another bank, which is Signature Bank, to protect depositors and federal banking regulators also re- appointed a receiver. So this action was similar to obviously what we're talking about here with SVB. Um, signature again, another big bank that used by crypto companies, massive lender in the industry. So the operation chokehold, which you referred to it as last week, Trace, seems to be in full swing. Yeah. So at about the same time as the news, the regulators issued a joint statement guaranteeing the full return of both SVB and Signature Bank customer deposits without taxpayer losses and made an emergency lending backstop available for banks in the event of similar deposit runs. And what we expect is, you know, the underlying causes of all this are going to pop up elsewhere across the banking sector in the US and potentially abroad. Um, And the actions were taken to reduce any spillover effects or contagion or domino effect. Now, you know, I guys, I really see this as a band-aid approach um, to, you know, bring confidence in the marketplace. Uh, and I think, you know, potentially it could be short-lived because, you know, these problems will tend to pop up um, elsewhere. I agree with you 100%. And I think that this was all they could do. They left it quite a while to make that call late on Sunday. Um, and a lot of small business owners were probably breathing a, a sigh of relief when they finally did do that. And I think it was meant to be capped at 250000 but obviously it's uncapped now which is why Circle then became whole because they had that 3.3. Yeah. And since then, Circle's peg has returned since the, the, the government bailed out the banks. Yeah. Exactly. So that bailout's pretty massive. So not sure where they're getting all that cash from. But on that, the crypto rallied and, um, you know, it was a pretty tumultuous weekend, but we've ended up quite a ways up from there. So um, guys, I'm interested to get your thoughts on what this really means for the industry because we've just seen, you know, three really big banks that we've just said are crypto-friendly banks here go down and under. Where does this leave us? What state are we in as a crypto industry right now? Well, Silicon Valley Bank, I know we're saying they're a crypto-friendly bank, but like that's not to say that they they also had a lot of traditional companies, small businesses banking with them. So is it a war on crypto? I'm not sure. I think it's probably just a, not a coincidence, but just the case that Silicon Valley did have crypto um, partners. But I think that they were, you know, this is going to be not the first one to happen. I think this is going to happen multiple times and it could be the start of something. But also what does it mean for the price of crypto assets? Because what we've seen, especially the last 48 hours is, Bitcoin and gold, silver, Ethereum, all being a sea of green compared to other equities and other commodities. So I think, yeah, this really drives home the value proposition of why this technology was developed so people could be their own bank. Yeah. 
And what does it mean? I'm seeing on Twitter that the money printer could be turned back on, rate rises could be paused if CPI comes in lower overnight, you know, that could be really good for crypto. And when Tracy turns around for the first time in 12 months to say she's bullish, I think that's worth talking. I think that's worth mentioning. Almost, almost. I think it's important to just make a distinction here that Silvergate um, is in a bit of a different situation than Silicon Valley Bank Mm. and Signature Bank. Mm -hmm. Silvergate had an outstanding debt from the FTX debacle. Um, and you know, which is, it's a different issue, but it's just being bundled in Mm -hmm. as potentially one systemic issue when maybe there's a few issues going on here and it comes down to just the risk mitigation around the liquidity at these banks, Mm -hmm. which I think is solvable through regulation, but you know, there could be other issues that pop up elsewhere in the economy. Yeah. I think Silicon Valley, like you said, there was some risk management that wasn't quite up to point there. Um, but I think Silvergate for us as an industry for crypto is the big loss here because they do uh, provide a lot of liquidity as an exchange and the background for some of these bigger exchanges. I think um, we had the conversation, Blake, these bigger exchanges would park their money in other avenues so it won't be um, as badly felt by them, but some smaller exchanges I think will um, find it hard from here. And I think that digital asset inflows on some of these smaller exchanges will struggle and there will be some contagion and there will be some um, short-term hurt for some uh, smaller exchanges from here. But, you know, like you said, the last price action of 48 hours for Bitcoin, Ethereum and some others has been has been good and no signs of stalling right now. Mm. Well, I, I personally think, it, you know, getting banking as a crypto company or a, start, a crypto startup or a Web3 startup trying to get banking rails from here on out is going to be, you know, literally impossible mm. for the next two years or more. They're just going to ride off any applicants, I would say. So big challenge. It is. So look, but where there's a will, there's a way. So we will bring you more news on this story next week. Moving on, while the news of the banking crisis has dominated at the moment, there has been another topic getting a lot of attention, and that's the Ethereum staking. So from liquidity pools to liquidity staking and looping, uh, there's a few different approaches you can take with Ethereum staking. But why is it important and why is it important now? So, Blake, let's start off with um, your thoughts on Ethereum staking. Mm. Yeah, just so to let everyone know what um, staking is, it's the process of locking up your Ethereum, kind of like a term deposit, in order to lend um, some power to validating blocks and securing the Ethereum network. And in return from uh, doing that, you'll receive a small reward. Uh, the staking, uh, staking your Ethereum means you'll get a reward of about 4 to 6% return per year, um, which is great. Uh, and I think is you know, an important part of the ecosystem. And, and it's also eco-friendly than the incumbent consensus method of mining. Mm. Tell us a bit more, Craig. Yeah. So there's been a bunch of speculation around what it means. But right now, there's three ways that you can stake your Ethereum. One is you stake through a centralized exchange like Binance, Coinbase. Two is a staking pool which is stuff like Rocket Pool or like um, other sort of decentralized pools that you can go in, like me, Tracy and Blake could all go into a pool together, don't need to have 32 ETH and running your own node, which is a minimum of 32 ETH. And you do that through the Ethereum website officially. Now, there are three different options. Now, why this update is important is because for the first time, you'll be able to withdraw the Ethereum from the staking pool. So there is a sort of two ways that people are thinking about it. 
because a lot of these withdrawals were sort of started at ETH was like a $500 mark, I think, Trace, right about that. So now it's called the Shanghai Update, which will go live some sometime in April. And the two sort of ways of looking at it is it could generate some sell pressure because, you know, people have locked in a 3X, they've earned a return. But also the second way of looking at it is if you're allowed to withdraw, it could actually attract more investors because now they know that they can actually take their money out. So a bit of an interesting one. It's going to be really, I'm really keen to see how the market responds to the Shanghai because no doubt there'll be people that will lock in the profits, but also people like me and you, Chase, mm. that are probably waiting for this moment. Yeah, exactly. I think let's talk a bit further about the options and the ways that you can get involved that Craig just mentioned. And I'll go back to, you know, of those three most common options for staking, the first is via a centralised exchange. So exchanges such as Gemini and Binance provide support for ETH staking. And this is a really easy process that allows you to um, jump onto exchange and start earning rewards on your ETH right away. Yeah, what's next, Blake? Yeah, you can also stake via staking pool that Craig touched on. And that's, you know, those people that don't have 32 Ethereum, 32 Ethereum is a lot of money. It's like, what, $70,000? You know, if I only have a few Ethereum, but I still want to take advantage of the rewards, then I will um, deposit into this platform like Rocket Pool or Lido and, you know, get together with a few other people. It automates the whole process. So, um, you know, you and your friends or the other people on the platform can share in the the yield. Feels like we've been talking about this and Rocket Pool for years and then we're finally able to do it yeah well you can you i think i believe you can do it now with rocket pool i think the withdrawal is when you run your own network which people say i'm not staking it has to be with the ethereum official network and you know that's full fair enough so that's the third option which is Mm -hmm. a minimum of 32 eth you can go on ethereum foundation or ethereum.org i think it is we'll put the link in the show notes for you to just have a read of and you run your own validator node and you're essentially you know, connecting your machine up 24-7 and your Ethereum is helping validate transactions. And this is what the Shanghai update is really targeted for, these guys. I might point out that, you know, staking your own Ethereum, your 32F is a little bit more technical. Sometimes people, even with 32F or more, might use some mm-hmm. of these other pooling platforms just because they've created such an easy user experience for people to get rewards from. You know, some people see that as additional counterparty risk that they don't want to take. Um, because when you're staking directly on the Ethereum protocol, you know, you don't have a third party between you and those rewards and therefore make it um, yeah, it's a good point. less risky for yeah. the investor. And something worth noting here, you can actually boost your ETH staking rewards with something called STETH. So liquid tokens you can actually uh, use to earn additional rewards on top of Ethereum staking. So this is a, a bit of a tough yeah. one to explain, so I'm going to pass it over to Blake. Liquid tokens, <laughs> can we drink those? <laughs> Cannot, no. All right. Well, you know, I think we've touched on this previously in the podcast. We have, but we haven't probably given it um, a contextual, like Mm. it really fits into what we're saying here. Yeah. So, for example, so just a little bit of context there. Um, Liquid staking means that you can stake your Ethereum and then a platform like Lido, which is just a website, an organization, um, will issue you a token in return. And the price of that token matches the price of your Ethereum. So then you can go and use that for leverage in the system. Now, for example, if you're earning 4% APY on Lido, you've deposited your your crypto, your Ethereum, and staked it, then you take your 
stat that they've issued you, um, you can go put it onto Yearn, uh, which is another DeFi platform, and deposit your stat into a pool, which provides you another 4.8%. You'll then be earning a total of 8.8% um, annual percentage yield. So it's just a way to leverage this liquid staking mechanism that's been developed, which is an innovation, but also comes with its own risks. I was just going to jump in and say, Blake... There's risks. So I actually think we covered this story, but like you do get a liquidity risk. And we saw this in November of last year where a Ethereum whale, which there are plenty of because Ethereum ICO'd at about $2. Um, so there is whales in the ecosystem, pulled $100 million out of Curve. Mm. Curve Finance is a decentralized exchange, pretty oh, liquidity sort of yield farming protocol. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he pulled out 100 mil and Steph actually depegged. Um, it was worth 0.96 Ethereum, so a 4% haircut for some people. Um, so, the, you know, the risk is somewhat minimal, but there is a risk. Oh, that's the only time I can remember anything like that happening, though. But again, depegging is certainly a risk, but it's only happened a couple of times and it has returned to peg. So it has proven its resilience through the liquidity crisis of 2022. And 2023. <laughs> So far, 2023. So as you can see, Ethereum staking provides holders with an opportunity to validate the Ethereum network while simultaneously earning rewards. So it's pretty cool. So if you're considering staking, please keep in mind that state ETH cannot be unstaked. And this is, uh, like Craig said, planned for looks like April uh, this year, next month, has been pushed out a couple of times. But we'll link an article in the show notes uh, for further information. So if you are interested... Uh, as always, do your own research if this topic interests you. Yeah, I think it might also be worth talking about this um, staking unlock schedule. So when the Shanghai upgrade gets pushed live on the Ethereum network, it's not like all of the staked Ethereum becomes unstaked. No, it's not. Yeah. Yep. So only a certain amount can be unstaked a day. And that's really to ensure that people don't come along and dump all their Ethereum and Correct. push the price down, create chaos in the ecosystem. Like the curve whale. Like did. the curve, curve whale. whale did. Exactly, yes. Right? Yeah. But I think it's also important to note there is an incentive for the people that are first in line in that queue to mm -hmm. unlock their Ethereum. If those first 50 groups decide, hey, if I dump, if we dump our Ethereum in 50 days, we could potentially buy it back cheaper and make 10, 20, 30, 40% mm. um, increase our position size, um, then that may be a situation that unfolds in the coming months. So, uh, I'm looking forward to watching this one. It's going to be exciting and there's yeah. definitely lots of dynamics at play. Do you guys know the actual date that's scheduled in April? I know it's changed. Typical Ethereum team, they will never mention a date. Because <laughs> I know they never get it on time. Well, generally they um, they pull a date out of you know the number of blocks from a particular date. So it might be a hundred, you know, ten thousand mm. blocks from a particular date. But that ten thousand blocks could come in at different times depending on the network congestion. See if we can find out a bit more and put something in the show notes, or keep you um, up to date, maybe in with next week's show. And that seems like a good time for a break, folks. We'll be back after that with our short, sharp news bites. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Crypto Curious Podcast. You're listening to Blake, Tracy and Craig. And so that you don't miss us every week, why don't you hit the subscribe button? That way you won't miss out on any of the news and it's going to be straight there ready for you every Wednesday. Back into the short, sharp news bites. I'm going to go first, guys. Instagram is working on a decentralised Twitter alternative like we need some more Twitter. According to Meta, the company is in the early stages of creating a standalone decentralised social network for sharing text updates. They've said, we believe there's an opportunity for a separate space where creators and public figures can share timely updates about their interests. Really? The app is codenamed P92 and will allow users to log in through their existing Instagram credentials. Uh, the head of Instagram is going to be leading this project. Okay, that's, yeah, that's, that's great. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> Craig, what's up? So this is huge, actually. Amazon is getting involved with NFTs, which is tied to real-world assets delivered at your doorstep. According to Blockworks, the company is planning to notify every Amazon Prime customer, which I know Tracy is one of them, mm-hmm. of a digital collective's initiative. So, guys, what do you think? It's huge. What sort of things can they offer? Like yeah. uh, maybe musician albums, digital albums, that sort of thing? I mean, what – Yeah, anything. I mean, this this could go anywhere. I mean, yeah, it is it is pretty big news. I could see it as like a subscription. Like if you have a subscription to an, – like an NFT subscription to a shaver or something like that, that's a reoccurring cost. Amazon would deliver that real-world asset because that's a benefit of owning that NFT. I was thinking more too, like if you're an Amazon Prime customer and you're, you, you they know that you watch certain type of TV shows and they're going to – give you options for merchandise to buy or those kind of things. You know what? They've got so much big data on us. This could go anywhere with anything. Massive company getting involved. Mm, See how that goes. What's up next, Balake? GQ is the latest legacy print magazine to make moves in Web3 with the launch of the GQ3. Sounds slick. So it's a community Ethereum NFT drop. Ooh, another one. Mm, It's Um, your favourite mag, hey? It was... (laughs) (laughs) It was not a great success as Men's Lifestyle magazine failed to sell out of its mint. Yeah, it sounds like they've just tried to make a quick buck here. Now the brand is apparently trying to keep NFT buyers happy as resale prices fall. The NFT passes are selling for about half the original price. So it sounds like a big failure. Another group trying to make a quick buck out of, you know, a fad that is 12 months old. Mm, not so good. 
Ordinal inscriptions hit a new daily peak last Thursday after someone figured out how to mint a form of fungible tokens on Bitcoin. So the buzz around ordinals hasn't really died down. In fact, it's actually still growing. So this ordinal inscription surge is a new uh, single-day peak, and this one hit just over 30,000 on the weekend. And it's all because of the launch of a BRC20, which is an experimental way to use the tech which lets people mint and transfer whatever the tokens that they please on the blockchain. Now, apparently, I a little read into this, um, and it's a meme type thing where you can transcribe things. Um, it's a little bit of a goofy experiment, but you can write things like Doge and your own name. Um, it, it looks a little bit bland at the moment, but people are experimenting with ordinals and the way that they can inscribe things into the Bitcoin blockchain. So it's it's still still gaining some momentum. Interesting. I felt the awesome. shivers go down the maxi spines as you read that. 100%. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> this next one's big, Craig. Sticking on to Bitcoin, actually, um, only for the third time in history, Bitcoin has flipped the market cap of Visa. So it's now ahead of Visa and Meta. It's number 11 on the most um, valuable assets list, which includes precious metals, ETFs and public companies. So Bitcoin is wow. So the um, decentralized payments, quote unquote, is worth more than Visa right now. Mm. That's a big one. Cool. Another pretentious story we have here: digital entertainment firm Animoca Brand announced plans last Thursday for a new members-only club in LA, called Club Three, oh, referencing Web Three. I'm mm-hmm. sure is being launched with a collaboration with Planet Hollywood Group through its exciting joint venture Meta Hollywood, which was established in 2022. The NFT club in LA aims to repeat the success and bridge the gap between real world and virtual memberships. So. Yeah. Mm, cringy, but stuff like that's still going on. So Pretty cringe. Yeah. Okay. So Lego, the uh, Danish toy company, which I need no explaining. We all know Lego. I'm treading on it constantly. It's doing my head in. So this is actually quite cool for me. They're moving into the metaverse. No more treading on the Lego. The company is preparing to present in a virtual world as they partner with Epic Games, a gaming engine company. So they're continuing to increase their market share and grow in this new digital market. Lego sees a digital market as part of the company's strategy moving forward. Apparently, Epic Games are also the company behind Fortnite, uh, so they know what they're doing there. And um, let's see how this one goes for Lego. Huge. Mm. Last one, wrapping it up. This is reported by my friend Jesse on Queen Telegraph. I got this one early before it hit the markets trace. Meta is pulling the plug on its NFT initiative. I think we all remember getting a bit hyped up around Instagram offering NFTs. Well, that is being put on the back burner because they're now going to focus on payment rails, monetizing reels, and they're going to put their focus elsewhere. So even the big companies got caught up in the NFT craze. Now, that's actually quite a big um, story for them saying yeah. they're pulling out. Yeah. Well, they obviously they cut 30% of their workforce, 11,000 staff, so it could mm. be a resource issue. It says here they're focusing on other cost-cutting measures across the company as it directs focus to its expensive metaverse ambitions, Trace. Yes, correct. We did miss one little story up there, which I'm going to go back and say because Starbucks are just, you know, we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about companies pulling out, but Starbucks are going strong still. They've got a premium NFT coming out 
um, $100 each. The coffee giant who just loves their NFT stuff going hard with their Odyssey Rewards program uh, on the side chain Polygon. So Polygon are just about – they're losing their um, meta and their inst- Instagram, but they're, they're still going strong with Starbucks. And after dropping a free reward – and that dropped last week too. So they're offering up 2,000 NFTs that are all sold for $100 a piece uh, for a unique piece of artwork inspired by the iconic – Starbucks brand, who's apparently a super mermaid. So there we go, Starbucks going hard. Okay, that's it really for our big news stories this week. Thanks for joining us, everybody. As always, we look forward to bringing you the news again next week. If anyone's got any questions or anything that they'd like to hear from us, please reach out via the podcast at getbamboo.io or join us on the Facebook group or reach out via social media. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next week. Bye for now. Cheers, guys. See you later. Crypto Curious is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Crypto Curious are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equitymates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act of 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In a spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Crypto Curious acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.